Almost every photographer at one point or another has tried to do a silhouette, sometimes with more success than other times. But you too can find joy in the shadows. It's creating silhouettes with emotion on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, once again, welcome to another episode of Behind the Shot, the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion and all the challenges and stories that happen in between. And I'm joined today by somebody that I want to say is San Diego based, except right at the moment they're in Netherlands. I want to welcome Erica Thornis to the podcast. How are you, Erica? Hi, I'm great. It's evening here and daytime there. And I'm glad that we were able to find a time that this worked for both of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you were able to put your children to bed and uh, and have a little time to chat because I've been a fan of your work for quite a bit of time. I, I actually, and I, in, in the blog post associated with this, which by the way, for the viewers, you can find it this week in photo.com. Just click the link for behind the shot. Uh, originally, I found you on Google Plus. Remember Google Plus? Good times. I <laughs> And, and, I, and I found you on Google Plus and I followed you because of the type of photography we're going to talk about today, which is kind of your specialty. But you shoot a lot of different things. And I started following you on Google Plus, became a fan of your work. And so I've wanted to get you on for a long time. So it's really nice to have you on. Let's tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do. So you're generally San Diego based. You're in Netherlands for a few months. Explain to people the type of things that you shoot, the variety of things that you photograph. Well, it's a very strange combination. I like to say I shoot in with and underwater. So um, I live in San Diego on the beach. And so I use the beach to my advantage. And I love shooting around there. I'm also an underwater photographer. And I'm also an event photographer. So I know Alan Hess. And we talk event photography all the time. Um, one of your former guests. And I know Brad. It's just amazing to have the, that combination of specialties. But because I like to capture joy. And so I capture joy on the beach with silhouettes. Um, I capture joy and excitement and fun things in the pool. And then I capture memory and joy um, of event photography. So um, I just like to create something a little bit different and a little bit something that you'd want to hang on the wall for like 50 years. So I don't want to do the standard traditional family shot of everybody smiling at the camera um, for family photography. I try and take it into another level. So either we'll have families in the pool underwater or I'll take them to the beach in silhouette. And um, it's kind of amazing how that started. And it was out of almost laziness on my point. My children, I have three children and they're young and I don't want to get them dressed up in fancy clothes to take their photos. They don't want to get dressed up. Like, like any parent, that, the, the dread yeah. of any parent is going to a family photo shoot. It's not the shoot, it's the getting them dressed up. Oh, it's a pain. It's so hard to coordinate outfits. And I didn't want to put that kind of pressure on my kids. And I love to shoot and water relaxes me and the beach relaxes me. So I would just bring my camera down to the beach and I would just take pictures of them on the beach. And if they're shooting in silhouette, you don't have to worry about wardrobe choices. So That's, you know, that's actually a good point. It, it's funny. I was thinking of a show title for this show and I haven't come up with one yet, but really what I see in these shots is invisible models, right? Yeah. It's, it's the human form. You, it, it's, it's the old saying, you know, when is a door not a door? Well, when is a human not a human when they're a silhouette? It, it, it kind of frees you from, it's like a black and white removes the color and therefore lets you focus more on shape. It's the yeah, same thing here. 
removing the face, removing the detail lets you focus on the intricacies of the human form. Yep, that's exactly it. And you have to focus a lot more on the shape and the movement of your subject. And you have to look at how their gross body movements and their tiny details affect the emotion that the image portrays. So, so it's a lot more complicated than, than it looks because you have to, body positioning is far more important than, um, oh, than with a traditional photograph. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And, and I should say, really, your specialty is silhouettes. But kind of to me in my head, the way to describe you is you are a family portrait photographer. You just take really unique family portraits and, and children yeah. portraits. But like you say, you do beach shots, you do underwater. You mentioned Brett Stanley, who was a, a previous guest as well with a beautiful underwater shot and an event photographer. But you're also an educator. So you do do workshops mm -hmm. and you're a lynda.com teacher. Author. Yes. And it's because my favorite aspect of photography is teaching other people to preserve their family memories. I mean, I love photography because I have this sense of, I want to figure out how to do it. And so I dig in deep to specific subjects until I can learn, oops, learn every single, I dig in specifically um, on subjects so I can learn every single detail about them. I dig in really deep. And then with this knowledge, I just have to share it. Right. <laughs> and so, um, and I really love watching the inspiration and I really love watching the joy in people's eyes when, when something clicks. And so that's what drives me. So I love educating the beginner and the hobbyist, not because it's easier, but because that spark of creativity and the amount of the aha comes a lot more rapidly. Um, and also it's like, if you just give them a little bit, it excites them and spurs their creativity so they can go off and do this on their own. So I do all my photography, I try and do with limited gear. I could do it on almost any camera you hand me because I want it to be accessible to anybody who views my classes or courses. And you have, if I'm not mistaken, you have more than one class on Linda. Oh yeah, um, yeah so I have. But, yeah. but you've also worked with, aside from Linda, what, what are, name the classes really quick if you know them off the top of your head. Okay, so yeah, so I have one on editing photos of kids in bad lighting. So if you take the kids to the park at like 10 or 11 a.m., how are you going to do that? How are you going to shoot them to take nice photos of them? I've got one on um, preserving and archiving your family memories because that's that whole thing of preserving memories for future generations. It's right, very right. important to me. And then the silhouette and um, how to edit and retouch and how it's different for children's photography versus um, adult professional retouching. What you look at to change, how to remove boogers, how to um, <laughs> right. you know, how to remove scabs, but still keep the, the things that make a kid a kid. Um, so it, it's of course specializing on the tricky little shots and the different techniques, but not necessarily the full beauty retouching. See, and it's funny, the last one that you mentioned retouching kids, I think there's a lot of amateur photographers out there that are parents that take pictures of their kids and they want to dress them up a little bit, but it's, it's, they're looking in the wrong way. It's the things you mentioned that let them still look like a kid and not like an, no offense if you work at Olin Mills, but, you know, at, at an Olin Mills type shot and let them be a child. And that's what I get from your shots is I get this joy out of your shots. And you've ended up working in your career with Mac Fun, mm -hmm. uh, with Photo Focus, mm -hmm. uh, great website, great podcast, great community over at Photo Focus, Smug Mug, also really, really good, which kind of takes us into this shot. You've discussed this shot in a number of different places, and, and I'm glad we're discussing it here 
because I see things in this shot I don't think necessarily have been discussed before. The shot is called jump. And as it comes up for the viewers to see, tell me a little bit about this shot, where it is. And and I'm kind of curious, did you pre-visualize this based on the sunset? Well, here's the deal. Now, the first question that most people have, which you didn't ask, is how in the heck did you get the reflection on the sand? Or what is that? Okay, that was the question that I had later that I mentioned. I mentioned to Erica in the green room that she sent me the sequence. And there was a question that was driving me crazy. And the sequence kind of answered it for me. And I was saving that one for later. And I'm going to, since you brought it up, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of dress it up my way right now. Okay. How, get that out of the way. <laughs> how the heck is she? Okay. Let me word it this way. She's floating over what looks like the middle of an ocean. I don't know where she jumped from. I don't know if she jumped off a pier. There's no way she jumped off the beach because there'd be a splash or a footprint. What did you do? Okay. Well, I shoot on flat beaches on minus tides. There's three days a month that would have a negative outgoing tide at sunset. So you have to coordinate the tide schedule with the sunset time. Okay. What do you mean by minus tide? Okay. So my, okay. So the tide, the tides in San Diego or in Seattle or wherever you are, they have a plus and minus. When the tide comes in, you've got a plus tide, a big tide in San Diego would be maybe a plus six. Um, in Seattle or Seattle, where I grew up, it'd be like a plus 12. A minus tide is where it's below what the normal low tide would be. A normal low tide would be zero. So I look for a negative tide, which is a negative one or a negative two in San Diego. In Seattle, it'd be like a negative 10. All right. You know, they, they have a bigger swing there. But um, in San Diego, a minus two tide or a minus one, you get this vast, vast, long expanse of wet sand. Um, and so that's the ideal time. So when I'm booking clients, I will give them a three-day window. I said, we can shoot this day, this day, or this day of this month. I will call you at a half an hour to an hour before sunset and say, we're going now. My clients will then go, okay, we're on and we'll go. I will call them some months and say, all right, today's not the day. The sky doesn't look good. We're going to try again tomorrow. And so I'll give them that three-day window that we can actually do these shots on the beach. How do you... Oh, this is intriguing. Okay. Because that's the thing. As as the viewers are looking at this picture, I want you to think about the fact that it is a perfect reflection of the entire sky and the the child that's jumping, right? You've even got the horizon line in the middle, which many people say the Mm -hmm. horizon line shouldn't be in the middle unless it's a reflection. And this this is almost like a Photoshop reflection. Part of me wondered if you did this, flipped it in Photoshop. It's such a brilliant... Wow. So how do you know when it's minus tide? You just check this app. You can just look on the line, Google, just Google it, just Google tide chart. And it will come right up and you'll have the schedule out for like months on end. So if you want to get a shot at the beach with the reflective sand, you have to do, you can do an outgoing tide, but the minus tides are better because you have more space with wet sand to deal with. So anytime the tide's outgoing, you will have a period or a space of that wet sand. But the minus tide gives you a much broader thing. You also need to know your beaches. Some will have rocks in the minus tide. Some of the other images in the collection I sent you will have rocky little elements, which are gorgeous, and you can use those. But you have to basically know your beaches. You have to know how the sand's flowing. So 
a lot of prep goes into it that's just instinctual that over time you develop when you get to know your local areas. This this is okay to people who shoot at the beach all the time. My apologies, because I sound like a complete dork right now, but I had no, no idea that there was plus and minus tide. And I've gone to shoot um, the rock at Morro Bay, for example. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that watery, wet sand in front of it. And I couldn't figure out how to shoot watery, wet sand. Well, now I understand. Right. And so it you, wasn't there. you need to schedule. No, you have to schedule it. So next time, schedule your vacation. You can look at it months in advance for a negative tide at the beach at sunset. Wow. Um, you also want to do that for tide pooling. So if you want to do your tide pool shot, you want to do it near sunset or near sunrise. And so you have to find a beach that's open around sunset because a lot of times they close depending on the, you know, on where it is that will have tide pools and you it's best. I love catching them around that um, sunset time. So you have to find negative tide at sunset, which will happen two to three days a month. So there's going to be some viewers that want technical information on this shot. Yes. Uh, it's at Torrey Pine State Beach. And based on what I looked up in EXIF data, you used for this shot, at least a Canon 7D with one of my favorite mm -hmm. crop sensor only lenses, which is the Canon EFS 10 to 22, right? Correct. Okay. And, and it is the most amazing one. You know what? It's super light. It's not built like a tank, but it's super light and it does a killer job at shots. I use this at concerts for years and years. The optics on it are L glass quality um, and the build is good enough. I tortured that lens. As you can see, I take it to the beach. I don't, I don't baby my equipment, um, you know, but that lens is, it's the only lens I regret selling when I upgraded to a full frame camera. I might go back and buy it just because it optically was it's just it's just incredible especially for the kind of shots i want when i might I have shoot, one here if you need one seriously i still I have my canon 7d and i i might still I, i'll have to check i might still have my 10 to 22. um that's amazing do you know what the exposure was on this i think it was like one i think one one i think i looked one one six hundred and yeah it's basically me, when you're shooting silhouettes if that is right. in here i'll pull up yeah, data really 40, i think oh here we go so it's f56 one eight hundredth of a second. Okay, one eight hundredth. Okay. And ISO was six forty, and that you were at ten millimeters. Yeah. Okay, yes. And um, at so I shoot actually. The reason I didn't know specifically was because when I'm shooting at the beach at sunset, I will set up um, my ISO to be auto ISO. I will set my shutter speed to be high enough to freeze whatever I'm doing, but not excessively high. And then I will set my aperture to make sure that my subject and my foreground are both in focus. And at 10 millimeters, you're looking at infinity at probably about eight feet. I mean, that's just eyeballing. So you don't need to have a greater, I don't need to be shooting at F8. There's no need to because my subject's far enough away that they'll be in focus and everything behind will also be in focus. So a couple of silhouette questions here. Yeah. Every photographer I, I know has at one point or another tried to do a silhouette or done one and they've mixed results, right? When you're shooting a silhouette like this at the beach, do you intentionally underexpose by a set number of stops? Are you going off of instinct? I mean, do you do you find well, exposure is, and go two down? Well, this is an that's a very interesting question. What I do is um, you want the exposure to be a little bit lower than what you'd think, but you don't need to push it down so that your subject is completely black. If your subject is completely black, your scars skies can be way too dark and you're not gonna get the detail out of it. So forget your subject, forget what's in front of you and focus on your background. You want your background to be 
to the point where you're exposing it, but you have no blinkies. So make sure to use your exposure, you use, go to the guides and click on highlight alert. And you wanna enable your highlight alert. And that will cause on some cameras, it'll be red blinky on the Canon, it's black blinkies. And what it will do is it will tell you if any part of your image is pure white. And that is going to be really hard to deal with later. And it's going to make processing next to impossible. Well, and, so and also you, if, if you've clipped your highlights on a silhouette shot, on some shots, you can get away with it, but on a silhouette shot where you've got such darkness in certain areas, that bright white spot is just going to draw an eye like a magnet. Yes, and you can't push and pull colors easily with that. So yeah. there's, so you just can't. Um, and so as long as you have no blinkies, it doesn't matter. But the caveat of that is I have another famous picture that people talk about, which is my superhero shot, which is my daughter in a cape at the beach. I also, I was planning on doing silhouettes with her. So she went in her Tinkerbell dress and I had a cape on or something. She was just running around playing on the beach. And um, she just paused for a second and I got this picture. But the sky was overcast and cloudy. And there wasn't a contrast between the foreground and the background. There wasn't, the dynamic range was too limited that I couldn't turn it into a silhouette. So when I originally shot it, I, of course, exposed the sky correctly, but the image was way too dark overall. Um, and so it just, I couldn't pull it into a silhouette because there wasn't enough contrast between the foreground and the, in the background. Enough subject separation, as it were. Yep. 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 And so um, you have to have a high contrast night. So I call, you know, a silhouette needs to be on a high contrast, you know, night. So it has to be enough that your sensor, camera sensor can't expose the entire scene correctly. Um, so a lot of people want high dynamic range um, cameras. They keep exciting, getting more excited about, oh, I can do 16 spots of dynamic range in my new camera. With Silhouette, you don't need all that range. You, won't, you can use any camera. You can use your cell phone. You can use uh, you know, your oldest you know, point. You can use your oldest camera because the dynamic range isn't so necessary. You just need good dynamic range in the sky. And your subject, you actually want to have dark. So you want to expose just for the sky. So th that brings up one of the questions that I wanted to ask because I had a debate with somebody on this once. Okay. So you're shooting a silhouette and you think in, a, in your mind, the silhouette of this child is, is pure black and quite often they are. But to be called a silhouette, does that subject in the air have to be pure black in the middle and, and an outline? Do you ever shoot your silhouettes where there is some detail within that middle area? Oh, absolutely. So I think that's one of the funnest aspects of silhouette photography is that where it should be black, you know it should be black. But if they're wearing a flouncy skirt, then absolutely that should have some color in it. If they're carrying a kite, that will be colored. If they're holding balloons, the balloons should be colored. So anything translucent or halfway, absolutely not, you know, definitely don't go for all the way black. Use that element of color in your silhouette because it offers a little bit of a surprise and it offers a little bit more energy and interest the photo and again it, we discussed it earlier it, it it is effectively you know the idea of converting a color shot to a black and white shot is you're removing the color distraction so that you can get more at the shapes in the story because sometimes the color is the story but sometimes it really isn't and it's it's, it's a mix here really with a silhouette you've really focused that story of the jumping child by removing the color and the detail from that that child and making it a silhouette but still leaving the richness and the color of the water and the sky. One thing I notice, I don't want to call it a mistake. That's the wrong word. One thing though, that I notice with a lot of silhouettes, mine included, are people tend to, you made a comment earlier that, that hand positions and everything matter more in a silhouette. 
And I think people tend to lose detail when they shoot a silhouette. And the detail is what keeps it from being a black blob on screen. Right. And in this shot, the fingers are separated. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I love that. And mm -hmm. if you zoom in on this close, little micro strands of hair flying. It, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not like a trim in, in Photoshop. The detail that you get in that is that obviously you can't control necessarily where their hair go, but in your shot selection and how you tell them to jump, do you tell Absolutely. them things like spread oh, your yeah. fingers? And so and I have like a whole set of rules that I talk to them about before I shoot them. So I talk about separation. I talk about fingers. I talk about leg positions. I talk about how you want to have your legs separated and not pushed together. You can have one in front of the other if you're sideways. You can have your fingers separated. You can have hair. And I also set called, I yell something called noses at my subjects. So what I want to do, I want to get a profile shot of them. I don't want to have the blob staring directly at me without any facial features. This image doesn't have the facial features that a lot do, but there's other elements. So I've shot oh, pictures where oh. I've had all of the elements where you've got the nose, you've got the fingers, you've got the feet, you've got the skirt, you've got the upturn, and it's too much. It's like you've listened to every single thing I told you at once, and it looks contrived. So right. you have to take all those little elements and just kind of coach them enough that they get two or three or four of them right, not all of them. Well, and the hair here, though, the nose comment is interesting because that keeps it from just being a round blob. And now you look like a stick man that somebody drew. The yes. hair here serves as the nose in that scenario. Correct. It, it keeps it from just being a round disc and gives. Uh, life. Yes, life. It gives recognizable alive to this. Mm -hmm. So I love that. But here, here's the big thing with silhouettes for me. I've shot a couple of them and I've succeeded at times. I tend to not get what I'm necessarily picturing in my head sometimes. When you shot this, this is clearly a sunset. You timed it. You obviously want light behind them so that they're shadowed. Effectively, that's all a silhouette is, is they're in shadow. So this is the, the shadowed model or whatever, the invisible model. But do you go for a specific angle of the light? Do you want it straight behind them? Do you want it at a 45 behind them? Do you even think about that as long as they're in shadow in front? <laughs> you should watch my Linda course. I go into I... detail on this. <laughs> um, anyway, if you're shooting at a 45 degree angle, you're going to catch a lot of side light. It's not going to work. You have to have them between you and the light. There's no way around it. Um, even if I turn sideways and have the same setting, she would be lit completely differently and she wouldn't be in silhouette. It's really freaky. I've actually had images taken where the people standing in front are completely in silhouette. I have a child off the side because it's a wide angle lens I'm shooting with and she is normal. She is looking like, you know, just a normal portrait with people in silhouette in the same image. So placement of the people makes a huge difference. If any light fall hits them from the side or from the front, you know, to your sensor, then you're screwed and you can't get a silhouette at all. So really, it's an eclipse. You're, you're sticking them between the sun or light source, whatever that light source is, and you as though they were an eclipsed moon. So right. here's, let's move to post a little bit. And actually, this, this question kind of straddles whether it's post or not. It may not be. I love the light fall off on the water. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. see her shadow in the water. No question, it's there. But the light so beautifully trails from those nice warm colors to the 
to the cool colors and into shadow in the water. It doesn't do that in the sky. So I'm wondering, did you burn that down or gradient that down? Is that a natural light fall off? I pulled up two stops. I'm actually thinking about getting ND filters, gradiated ND filters, so I don't have to pull up two stops on my wet sand. Um, the wet sand is darker than the sky. Just the natural tendencies of the sand and the ground are usually, you know, depending how the light falls. If you're shooting grass through, then it will light from behind and it will do that element of color. Um, but if you're shooting on the wet sand, it's quite dark and you're still getting the reflections there. But I usually have to raise my sand at least to stop um, or my water at least to stop to get that good color. Um, the, the fall off is all natural. It's just how the sky comes over the top and over the back of you um, as it's hitting the sand from the angle you're at. What I do do, which you didn't mention, is I am belly crawling on wet sand when I shoot these because oh, you're laying the down line, for this. Oh, absolutely. I am on the sand, belly on my camera's maybe six inches from the sand. I just position my camera, you know, like I yeah, here we go. I am just like this with my camera, just like that close to the ground when I'm shooting. Um, Interesting. I keep it off because you have to in order to get the line of the water at the right. Because if you're standing up, the water's going to cut them off in really weird places. And this one still kind of cuts her off, I think, at her foot somewhere. But it's much better for it to cut off there. It makes her look like she's jumping much higher. She's like seven or eight. Maybe she's like a foot and a half to two feet off the ground. So she's not very high up. But she looks like she's so much higher because I'm shooting up at her. She looks like she jumped off of something, but I, I love the fact that you mentioned one of my pet peeves when I do when I judge image competitions is people not worrying about where a body part is intersected. You know, I see people stand in front of something and the railing runs through their neck and effectively, you know, oh, yeah. chops their head off. And it's like if you had just gotten down or up higher, you could have prevented that very, very easily. So you brought that water up. A stop mm -hmm. to two. Obviously, in post, are you a Lightroom user, a Photoshop user? Was that a gradient use, that you used? I use I use all of that stuff. Um, I also like I like the Mac Fun stuff too because it has. There's I use any tool I can to get the results I want, but I always do start in Lightroom and then move on from there. So when you when you okay, you shoot this shot. You've got the raw. I'm assuming you shoot raw. Yes, of course. Okay. We should all just agree. Every you know, shoot raw. Just trust me, shoot raw. So you're, you're in post and you pull up the raw shot on this as an editor. Now at that point, what does your, what process does your mind go through to bring the raw image to this in, in a helicopter view? I mean, are you, are you okay. first looking at exposures and colors? Are you looking at intruders or cloning stuff out? The very first thing I do, the most important thing is image selection. When I'm shooting silhouette, I absolutely shoot rapid fire. Because macro movements, those tiny little micro movements actually, are the things that can make or break a shot. So um, because of that, when I'm, I don't just wait for the moment because kids move so fast. So I will shoot and wrap, like for the jump, I shot rapid fire. I shot each step of the jump as she hit the top and as she came back down again. And I had her jump three or four times. And so once I picked the image that I liked the most, then I was able to go to the post-processing stage. So image selection is the most crucial step. If you can't do a silhouette unless it's a good composition. So the very first thing you have to think of is composition before anything else. Yeah, that okay. makes sense. Now, so then so then you're in there. Do you do you start with the basic panel and do 
exposure and clarity and color and stuff like that? Or do you immediately start worrying about, uh, you know, vignettes or cloning? You know, let's say hypothetically there was a splash under her. I love the clouds in this water. I just love them. Uh, they just suck me in. But let's say that she still had like a little toaster, you know, from where she lifted off from. Yeah. Do you clone those out first? Where Where do you go first? I would, that would be all last. That would be all at the very end. So what I do first is I um, correct the, um, the horizon line. They have auto in, um, in Lightroom and it's finally gotten better before it would grab the front wave instead of the horizon line. It's Especially finally gotten smart a, enough. on a wide angle. Yeah, it's finally gotten smart enough to grab that horizon line, but I don't trust it. Now that you can do the little zoom in and do the, you know, it's, you, it's good. So um, I'm, able to, I'm able to grab that horizon line, make it straight. What drives me absolutely bonky is a little bit off kilter, um, a little off kilter horizon line when it shouldn't be. If you have to have your horizon offline because of another reason, whatever. But if, you have to be intentional. So straight horizon. Um, how you crop should be done later. Always keep everything wide. Work on your entire image as an entire frame. Don't start thinking crop. Crop is the very last thing you should be doing. The very first thing is get that horizon. Then we're going to go through the basics panel. We're going to set exposure. We're going to go through everything. I never, ever touch saturation and luminance. Like I never touch saturation or what's the other one besides saturation? I forgot. Clarity? Um, Vibrance? No, not clarity. What's he say? Vibrance? Vibrance. I never touch vibrance or saturation in the individual, in the ground panel, like the basics panel. Don't touch it. Leave it at zero. A lot of people oversaturate their silhouettes because of the sunset and they want the colors. But what happens is you end up burning out color channels and color ranges and you are going to get horrible banding, especially in printing. And so you don't want to deal with any colors that have become so super saturated that they can't blend the next color next to it. So don't touch saturation. Don't touch any of that. And then you can go down to the panels underneath and individually change the, the color saturation and the hue and the luminance of each color of your silhouette individually. That's where you want to play with it. Um, and you have to be really careful and you want to touch it over because if you go too far, you are going to get horrible banding. And it's just going to become distracting when people look at your image. Some images you can pull a lot further. Some images you can make look like radioactive and they're so lovely. But it takes a very rare sky to be able to make look radioactive without making it look cartoonish. Um, so you have to like this one looks natural. The picture looks like it did in my eyes when I was there at the beach. Um, but it doesn't look like. Um, but when I got the raw image into Photoshop, it was dull. But that's the images with raw. That's why people like shooting JPEG is they don't know how much more you can pull it and push it. So if you're having concerns about that, I recommend changing your camera to live view and playing with the, um, the Kelvin temperature while you're looking at the sunset and find one you like. And you can shoot JPEG plus raw so you have an idea of what you are seeing and what you're capturing are the same. And you can bring that raw file um, back to where that JPEG was. So you can have that JPEG as a sample. But playing with the Kelvin temperature in live view allows you to color correct and change on the fly while you're at the beach. Um, so my color correction, I don't usually have to do too much when I'm back because I've set the Kelvin to where I want it. While, while you were there. You know, one thing while that I, I'm sitting here as I'm listening to you and I'm looking at this shot and something else jumped out at me that's, that's a pet peeve of mine because you mentioned slanted horizons, which I'm the same way. 
I see concert photographers do that all the time. And I think to myself, that drum set would be sliding off the stage. I'm sorry. That doesn't work for me. Is head in a clean spot. There's a lot of clouds in this sky. There is one spot in this sky where her entire silhouette could be and not really intersect a cloud. And you nailed it. And then her hand just touches the edge of that one cloud stream. Really well composed. I mean, just which is what you do, but just really well composed. It's just a millimeter of difference of turning your camera and your lens. It's just, but you have to look. You You have to look alive while you're shooting. You can't not look through like I don't actually chimp much while I'm shooting I'll look after a sequence or something like that but I am so focused on her movement and the positioning of things while I'm shooting that I don't think about anything else so if somebody wants to see more of your work and I'm like usual there'll be a, a gallery with the blog post here yeah. uh, of more of Erica's work but if people want to see more of Erica Thornis where where do they go well I'm the only Erica Thornis in the world so I can't hide are you <laughs> so serious well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, it could be good or bad, but you know, I, I'm not, uh, I can't hide. So um, if you just um, spell my name correctly, Erica Thornis, and then every, in what subject you're interested in, you know, silhouette, then all of my information will come up on Google. Um, I'm on Linda. Um, I'm my Instagram is my underwater stuff right now. Um, I have a website, ericathornis.com. I'm based in San Diego. Um, when people email me, I, because my design, because my passion is helping people, I will connect you up with what you need. So about, I'm not famous enough that I'm getting 50 emails a day. So if I get one a week or three a week, I can absolutely answer and respond and lead you in the path you want. So feel free to reach out and ask me any questions and I will say, oh, here, look here, find this resource here. And so I'll send you on your way, but with some new information that might you know, guide you. So, so just Google me. I mean, that and, sounds and funny. If but. you are a Linda subscriber, go to Linda and check out her classes. If you're not a Linda subscriber, it is one of the best places for education for, for a number of things, photography being one of them, but creatives. Uh, so head by and check out her classes there. And it's E-R-I-K-A. Correct. For the spelling of Erica, Thornis, T-H-O-R-N-E-S, and Correct. .com. So go check her out. And Erica, thank you so much for being here. It was so much fun. I could have talked for another hour on this subject. I know. We I know. And you brought up a good point, And that is, it would kind of be cool to get you and Brett on to talk yeah. underwater photography at the same time together. Oh, yes. Because I think we just go back and forth. We've already been doing that. We were we were doing that today over I am just going, well, what do you do here? What do you do here? Oh, I do this. I do that. And we just got so, we were both inspiring each other and showing each other how we do things slightly differently, but the same. So it's great. But as a final note on Silhouette, get low, focus on emotion, focus on shape and make sh- and don't worry about pulling your black solid black while you're shooting. Worry about that in post. It's much, it's easy to fix. Just use a brush, paint on down exposure. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really, really it appreciate great. it. Keep in mind for the viewers that there is a blog post associated with this. As usual, it's at thisweekinphoto.com. Click the link for behind the shot. That'll take you there. I'm your host, Steve Brazel. You can find me on social media, Steve Brazel everywhere. Same as the country of Brazil, but two L's. Steve Brazel Photography on Facebook, though, but Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, it's Steve Brazel. Hope to hear from you there. Don't forget, we've got the new Twip Pro. You can go check out twippro.com and uh, get into the conversations there. That's it for this episode of Behind the Shot, the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. We'll see you next time.
Hey there, I'm Frederick Van Johnson. Thanks for checking out the TWIP Network on YouTube. If you'd like to keep up to date with the shows we're putting out, be sure to click subscribe. And while you're at it, give us a thumbs up. You can also subscribe on thisweekinphoto.com where you'll find lots of other great photography shows. Thanks for watching the TWIP Network on YouTube.